Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Life. My name is Ian Eskridge. I am here with my co-host, the Danny Miller. How are you doing, Danny? Uh, doing well. You know, I, uh, again, just like last week, I'm going to go ahead and say it again this week. I spent a lot of time out at the campground doing my thing and not paying a whole lot of attention to the White Sox. So uh, it seems to be keeping me sane. You know, I'm not going to lie. I come here to do these shows with you and our guests so that I can stay abreast of what's going on in the world of the White Sox these days. Uh, That and uh, White Sox Twitter kind of keeps me going as we spoke a little bit pre-show about. But uh, yeah, man, Uh, breaking news here on White Sox Daily Live. The White Sox still suck. Oh, I'm shocked. You know, so. things are things are crazy. Um, yeah, they got swept How you doing, again. Man? Um, I'm doing all right. Um, you know, I like I've said numerous times in the past, if it wasn't for the minor league teams, I'd go insane. Because at least there, I can, I can rejoice in uh, personal achievements by some of the minor league guys, and because uh, this team is, is real tough to watch. Um, somebody else that. Agreed watches the White Sox um, and comments on them and has a podcast is our friend Nick Murawski. I'm going to go ahead and bring him into the fold here. Boom. Hey, Nick, how you doing? Guys, uh, it's really a treat to talk with you. It really is. This, this is going to be some therapy. Uh, we're going to just try to sort some things out. Uh, probably won't come to any answers. Uh, but, yeah, I'm still watching this team. Like, my life depends on it, and uh, it is – Seriously, my health has been affected. I think, uh, you know, things have suffered, but uh, at least I've witnessed this. You know, I have living proof of how bad this has been. Uh, I I saw it with my own eyes, whether it's in person or on TV. You know, from time to time, I'll I'll catch the, you know, ESPN 1000, uh, you know, on the radio, but it's ugly. It's absolutely ugly. And uh, yeah, hopefully we could sort some things out here tonight. Yeah, I don't know if that's uh, if that's going to happen. <laughs> yeah, I uh, you know having you having said that you're watching religiously and your your health is taking uh, a toll, or it's, it's taking a toll on your health. I should say, uh, I you know I'm sorry, I just haven't had the stomach lately. My mental health has been uh, severely depreciated over the last few months here, and uh, I you know. I don't have the stomach for it, man. <laughs> I really don't. So I'm glad somebody out there does, uh, you know, call me a bad fan, if you will. But I just can't do it these days. I'm uh, I'm much happier. I mean, honestly, that. if I didn't have uh, c- commitments to lockdown socks, let's just call it like that, I, I wouldn't be. You know, because I'd be able to catch up and, and you know, pro- probably put things together, you know, for good guys talk back. But you know, doing doing daily content and really trying to be on top of it and, and give it a, a perspective on everything, you know, from from a play, from a managerial decision to, you know, lineups, whatever it I feel like I have to. And, and that's just me. That's like my personality where if I'm going to do something, man, I got to just absolutely be all in. And it's wow, it, it's becoming to a point where I, I, don't, I just don't know how I'm going to get through this season. I really don't. Yeah, it's tough. Well, let me let me ask you this: um, If you were to put a 
a marker somewhere on where exactly this season went sideways, where would you put it? Oh man. Um, in, in season, well, in season, it was the seven and 21 start. And if you want to go within that, you know, I, I guess I'd have to really go back and, and, and revisit, but playing with a sense of urgency and, and, and being prepared for games and uh, execution and, and all that kind of stuff, that was what was supposed to happen, right? That was the big thing heading into uh, the season from Camelback Ranch, and it, it didn't seem that way at all. Uh, they were flat, obviously, you know, some injuries played a, played a role, lack of, uh, lack of returning to accustomed levels or any levels. That right there is what completely hampered this, uh, this ball club. And they've never really gone on a run. I mean, well, I don't even know what, I can't remember, was it two series in a row, three series in a row, something like that? That's not a run. So to dig yourself out of that, while other teams are not stopping and waiting for the poor little White Sox to catch up, they're continuing to play. And it's not like they're, you know, anybody was burying the Sox. They did it on their own. Uh, this, this division has been so forgiving. I think I would have to put it there. However, if you want to really go back you know, into the offseason, we can do that. Of course, you can go further back. But, you know, and I don't want to kick him while he's down, and it's easy to kick him when he's down, but the Grafol hire wasn't the right hire if you felt like this team was truly uh, ready to contend for not only division but beyond. Yeah, I mean, I, like I, I would say I would even go as far back as, you know, several months before the season started with the roster construction. Mm. Um, you know, I, I am of the personal opinion that, you know, Oscar Colas should have been given the right field position. And I know that some people thought that uh, the, the White Sox should have signed some sort of a uh, stopgap right fielder of some sort. Um, and, you know, they did send him down, um, but it was in true normal White Sox fashion, you know, where he was getting starts and then all of a sudden, you know, he was platooning. And, uh, well, I guess not all of a sudden, but, you know, he was platooning. And so he wasn't getting a lot of starts. And, um, you know, he struggled with having off days and never really seemed to get his bearings. And I know that, you know, he has a propensity to chase pitches and whatever. Um, But, you know, then they send him down for, you know, a month. And I don't, I mean, we've seen him in AAA and, uh, you know, I, because they had him working on his his pitch selectivity, I think that that really hampered his success when he went down there. And um, you know, I I don't know the whole the whole the whole minor leaguer you know call up system with the White Sox drives me up a wall because it, it's Baffling. like they don't let anybody get their footing before. Yeah before they send them right. down, you know? It's like, here's four at-bats today. Now you're going to sit for two days. Now you get another, you know, four at-bats, and then you've got a day off, and then we're going to pinch hit you in the fifth inning, and you're going to get two at-bats, and then you're going to sit for another day. It's just like, this stuff just drives me nuts, and it's like, they can't commit. 
if you're giving us I apologize, but I think you're giving the Sox a lot of credit for saying you're going to get four at bats today because uh, that means other people have to get on base for you to make it through the lineup that many times to get that fourth at bat. But I digress. Please go ahead and continue with what you were going to say, Nick. No, I, I mean the the Colas thing is you, you're you're right. You made that decision in the off season. You you pushed Colas you're like this guy. You're going to want this guy. He's going to be a beast. Um, he's our right fielder. Okay, you made that decision, and and he had a nice spring. Okay, it, it, we it's not like anybody was really uh, terribly shocked because he he did well. You know, he didn't hurt himself. Uh, I should say uh, in Cactus League play, so he won that position. So just play him, commit to him, because I don't, you know, he wasn't going to carry this White Sox team. But since nobody else was carrying this team offensively, everyone was struggling. Well, his uh, his shortcomings really were magnified. And it's like, well, let's send this guy down because he clearly can't figure it out. He wasn't supposed to figure it out that that early. Let him go out there and scuffle. Somebody put their arm around him and say, it's going to be rough this year. But you're, we believe in you. You're the person for the job. And, you know, sending him down and then bringing him back up like they did, and, and then Grafol's comments about, you know, he, we need him more of at an 8, not a 10. Let him play. Let him play and figure it out. Stop that. And don't put it in the media like that either. That, to me, is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, kind of my feelings on the whole thing is, you know, like when you saw um, Zach Remillard, you know, he came up and had a good game right off the bat, and then you can't get him out of the lineup. You know, but because Oscar Colas didn't do that right off the bat, he goes on the back burner. And, I mean... You know, we're st- still running Gavin Sheets out in right field. I know he's your buddy, um, but we're, <laughs> we're still running Gavin Sheets out in right field, and the guy's batting 200, and yet he's a priority oh. because he hit, what, like a, a dozen home runs last year or whatever? I mean, like, is that really what pedigree. we're prioritizing? Ian, he's a son of a Major League Baseball player. Don't you forget it. Um, he So he knows what he's doing. Uh, and he worked hard this offseason mm. to get better defensively. And he knew where his uh, growing edges were. So, you know, he's owed it. Uh, that, that, <laughs> that is such a ridiculous thing. They, they really, uh, they embraced that whole Gavin Sheets thing. Like, like he was irreplaceable. Like they couldn't do any better. Um, and and they're, yeah, the decision-making it just kind of cancels out other decision-making that they made. And uh, it, it really is a mess right now. Left-handed you know, power bat. Well, and that's the thing, you know, I I'd heard early uh, this season or even going back into the off season, some people were saying that uh, Kevin sheets was, you know, Daniel B. Polka 2.0. And I'm going, well, I, if that's the case, where are the concourse shots? Where, where did those go? Because, we're not even seeing that out of Gavin this year. You know, we've seen a, a handful of home runs, but most of them are wall scrapers. And, uh, I, you know, I'm just kind of curious as of all this uh, focus that Nick speaks about on his uh, defensive improvements has taken away from his ability to hit the ball. So, I, you know, I don't really know, but uh, I can't agree more that Oscar Colas probably should have been given every opportunity to not only have the position, but to grow throughout the season and, uh, you know, continue to do uh, things that, you know, would 
develop him. You know, we talk about development a lot with this White Sox team and and the things that they do or don't do very well. And, and you know, it, it just seems like they're doing everything they can to hinder some of these young guys. And when you're taking the bat out of their hands, especially a guy like Oscar Colas, who, sure, he had that chase right that you talked about, but the guy was mashing. He's 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 really hitting the ball hard down in double and triple A, and he makes his way up, and then they kind of just sit him down and say, you know what? We don't like the way you started, so uh, take a back seat. doesn't make any sense to me. And Danny and everybody else chases. The Sox team does not get on base. They do not see pitches. You know, their tr- their chase rate is ri- ridiculous compared to the rest of the Major League Baseball. You watch some of these games, and, and Jason Benatendi, uh, uh, after, after every, like the start of every game, he will say, well, uh, this team, and for example, is the New York Mets just last week. They are a very patient team. You know, every team we face seems to be a very patient team against what we have as a group. So if Oscar Colas is, is chasing, well, so is Jake Berger. So was Luis Robert Jr. at times. So is everybody else in this lineup. And the stubbornness from Pedro Grafol of not moving T.A. out of the top spot and then finally moved him to the second spot, which is a, was a ridiculous place to keep him there with his metrics. You know, and, and and so that that to me is like, well, I get it. They maybe have earned that that opportunity to try to figure it out where Oscar Colas is a rookie, but that was your plan at the beginning of the year. That is who you said won that position. You didn't have any other backup, and don't tell me Gavin Sheets is a backup. So you know what? I'm sorry no one else is hitting in this lineup to hide what Oscar Colas is doing. You just guys you have to wear it. I'm sorry. Yeah, I will throw this out there. Uh, Gavin Sheets, when he was brought into the organization, was known as a bat-to-ball guy, not as a power guy. And so the misnomer that he is a left-handed power bat, yes, he'll run into some because he is a large man, and he does have decent bat speed. But like the thing about him always was – that he would always carry like a 290 to 310 average and hit, you know, get on base a lot. And he's, you know, I would assume that probably part of the problem with, with his, uh, you know, bat to ball skills is a, he is in the major leagues. So it's, it's hard to hit a baseball in the major leagues. And then two, you know, he's trying to impact the baseball and send it far and hit it hard wherever wherever it's going to go instead of, you know, trying to get on base. And that's part of the issue here, you know, is that they're trying to uh, make him into a power-hitting left-handed bat when that's not necessarily what his skill set provides. You know, he's kind of forcing it, and it's costing him, you know, he's robbing Peter to pay Paul, so to say, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's things that are happening here in late July. Uh, and, you know, Grafol had all these, you know, quotes and things post game, post this, uh, the Sox getting swept by the Twins and, you know, how he's not happy and he needs to see that killer mentality and we need to be playing better baseball and I want to see this fixed and, you know, more discipline at the plate. And it's like, guy, it, we're, this is, this is August 20, uh, July 25th, we're coming up here. 
And you start, like, what, what are you expecting, you know, to happen at this point? Clearly, people didn't buy into your methods and your coaching staff's methods and whatever was worked on in the offseason and was supposed to be put in from Camelback Ranch to Houston and beyond, or they're just not able to do it, or they don't want to listen to Pedro Grafol and they're going to do it their way. I don't know what it is, but it's the same stuff over and over that has been uh, going on. And, uh, I, you know, I, I was really – I drank the Kool-Aid. I really did. I Pedro Grafol and, and, and how things we were going to go this season. And, and that uh, that's on me and that's on everybody, I guess. Yeah, I, uh, I – you know, I, I was right there with you when you talk about drinking the Kool-Aid. Uh, it sounded like when he interviewed for the job that he said all the right things. You know, he sure. was – he was a man that wore many hats and had been uh, in many different positions in baseball and kind of had an understanding of, you know, some of the things that we as White Sox fans have been kind of wanting for our organization when it came to, you know, strength and conditioning and, and being more analytically driven and using tech to, you know, further those uh, types of departments that the White Sox had kind of been lacking in. And you get these things from Pedro and, you know, we get into the season and it just doesn't seem like any of it really came to fruition whatsoever. So my question to you, Nick, is, is this is something that he and I talked about last week. And I kind of brought up the fact that do you think that there's a possibility that maybe some of the dissension amongst these players the last couple of seasons that we had maybe heard was, you know, we don't know for sure if that's what, you know, was going on, but we've heard about clicks you know, in the locker room and guys not necessarily meshing, uh, you know, in a, in a team that's been touted as being, you know, possible contenders and on paper, they're supposed to be so good. And after going through these past couple of seasons where the struggles have been, you know, mighty, do you think there's a kind of, uh, you know, disconnect among some of the veterans that really just maybe don't want to be here. And they're kind of having a negative influence on some of the other guys in, in the clubhouse. What are your thoughts on that kind of thing? I think that's very plausible. I think there was some stuff that came out uh, maybe over a month ago and it was from Bob Nightingale and I tongue in cheek call him the, the white Sox whisperer because it just seems like he sometimes has, you know, uh, he's a mouthpiece for Jerry and, you know, uh, but he mentioned something that, like, th there could be veterans that are talking to the front office saying almost, I want out. You know, uh, if there's an opportunity, uh, I'm, I'm absolutely able and willing uh, to go. Uh, yeah, you know, we've seen teams over the years, whether it's with the White Sox, then baseball or other sports, on paper, wow, you've got talent. The chemistry is lacking. And, and there's a lot of, you know, quotes on that from, you know, managers perspectives from owners from general managers from players of it's got it's it's got a click right it's got to all come together and if there are disconnects in, in between veterans and uh, younger guys and even pockets within that and a manager a first year manager just can't command the respect of these players and they're not willing to listen and say who are you from the Kansas City Royals um, you know, I've got to worry about my brand and what I've got going on in my world. I've made my money already. I cashed out. I got. I made my money big time early on. I got paid by the Sox already. You know, I, I'm thinking about other things uh, beyond this organization. 
that's a problem, man. Gosh, is that a big problem behind the curtains, you know, and you can only just speculate. So that's when you say, when people like just flippantly say, blow it up, you know, tear this whole thing down. I mean, it's like, well, if the guts of this, if there's cancer in this and, and there are just things that no matter how much talent you have, they are not going to go to bat for one another. They are not clicking. They are not playing as one. They are not a cohesive group. Well, then no matter how much talent you have, you've got to start fresh somehow. You've got to get rid of this stuff that isn't working, that's not linking together. And, you know, I thought, you know, Rick Hahn, who tries to be smarter than everybody else at times, I think he, he thinks he's the smartest man in the room always, the most clever. I think he thought he was going to outsmart everybody and pick Pedro Grafal. I'll show you. You're going to let me pick a manager? I will show you. Watch what I'm going to do. I'm going to get this guy, and it's going to work, and I'm going to, and, and I'm going to you know, prove to everybody what I can do as a GM. And I, that was not the case. That was not the case, narrator voice. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I don't necessarily dislike Pedro, and I don't necessarily think that what he's trying to do is, is uh, – not what this team needs. Um, and, you know, I, I've, I've heard people talking, you know, that uh, Luis Robert was slow to buy in on what they were trying to do. And that, that was part of the, uh, that was part of the, you know, disconnect with him. Um, and I, I'm not sure whether that's part of the, uh, the, the public benching that uh, supposedly was the thing that kickstarted mm. him. Um but uh, I mean, he seems like a, a great guy, and like here's the here's the thing that we don't know. We get the stupid quotes, you know. I'm gonna play Eloy for his for his bat, not his legs. Um, you know, I'm gonna you know Ta is gonna you know at some point he's gonna hit because he's got to because he works really hard. You know, like I mean, like all these quotes that we hear. I don't know what he's like in the clubhouse. You know, I don't know what he's saying to guys in his office when he calls them in for a meeting, you know, if something's not going quite right. Like, I, I don't I, I genuinely don't know what's going on there. And it it could be one of those things where he's keeping it all out of, you know, the public eye, which is, you know, I I would rather him do that, I guess, than throwing guys under the bus publicly. Um but uh, yeah, I, mean, I, I get that. That that that, that makes sense. Um, I take it as well. The the output from the team tells me something, and and some of the things that he has said are I don't know why we're playing like the way we're playing. I don't know why it's not working, and I'm only able to play the cards I'm dealt. Things like that where. It feels to me like he's saying, if you read between the lines, like, I would like a different type of roster. I wish I wasn't stuck with some of these players that I inherited because it's just not going how I would like to do it. Maybe to your point, Ian, there are others that just weren't buying in and they were looking at him a little like, really, from the Royals, you, you're going to tell me how to do this? I, I don't know. But yeah, we don't know. I go off of like some of the things he said that seem really like he's confused and he doesn't know how to get things to go and, and the performance. Well, I mean, I'll ask you this. I mean, we're sitting at 41 and 60, 19 games under 512 games out of first place. It's too late for fixes. 
too late for pretty much anything, right? Yeah. I mean, I don't see how you can... (laughs) I don't see... I mean, I don't... What I would look for is who's going to be... We don't know yet who's going to be here for 2024. You have some ideas, some guesses. I think... Honestly, I think everything's on the table. They should be listening on everybody. That doesn't mean you're going to act on it, but you should at Uh, least like... so glad you said that. At least listen. At least listen. If some team is desperate enough to just offer the farm, and and there are some teams in these conversations, in these trade scenarios, that are top five farm systems, and they're saying to themselves, we didn't envision that we were going to be in here. Or the Baltimore Orioles are like, wow, now is our time. I didn't think it was going to be our time. It is. Let's get nuts. Um, You have to listen. You absolutely have to listen. Uh, but yeah, we don't know what's going to happen and who's going to be on the roster for next year. And that's where I would look at what's what's worth watching. Someone like Michael Kopech, who I don't think is going to be dealt. You never know. But I think he could be very valuable to this rotation in 2024 with what's going to be last at, left after the dust settles. So you look at something like his start. You know, He's going against the Cubs in, in game one of this mini little uh, crosstown uh, series here. And his other starts, I mean, you know, Jake Berger's going to get an extended look at third base with because of what's happening with Mankata, which we still don't really know. And I honestly think he needs to be shut down, but we can probably address that at some point. So nothing I don't think is going to be fixed, but it's, you know, how do these guys respond that maybe are looking to be on this team in 2024? Well, Yohan Mankata did go two for four with two doubles yesterday, and he, he did run. So... Mm. I mean that's. Uh, do you yeah, think that's? I, uh, do you think it's sustainable though? That's my big worry with this with this back issue. Like, is it going to flare back up on him because it hasn't been maybe addressed properly? And one little weird, you know, twist or overswing or something, and like you reaggravated it because it wasn't fully taken care of. I I, I don't know. Well, that seems to be the White Sox way. Uh, you know, <laughs> we've seen this time and time again where a guy. Looks like he probably should be shut down. Uh, you know, let's just go ahead and use the old Carlos Rodon example where we watched him pitch through the pain or do a rehab on something that required, well, at least not to the White Sox, it didn't require, Dane but Dunning, what most of thing. us knew, right? What mm. most of us knew probably required surgical repair. Uh, we watched them waste years of their early careers only to be, you know, injured even more and probably worse than they'd ever been before. Uh, it just seems to be the way the White Sox do things. We're not going to shut you down. We're paying you too much money. We gave you an early contract extension, or we want you to perform uh, hoping and praying that you might do something. And if we do still tank, you might have some trade value. I don't really know what the thought is, but obviously the White Sox just have a penchant for letting guys go way too long and not addressing the needs of the, of the player himself. Yeah. You, you might be on to something with that, Danny, with the, with the front office being like, Whoa, I thought we were going to be a, you know, uh, not only a couple series wins, but maybe a world series appearance, you know, definitely a pennant under our belts by now. We can't shut this guy down again. And we can't put this guy on the injured list. Like we cannot put that product. Like we can't show that this guy's got to keep grinding. So let's not do that. 
that very well could be because the lack of success uh, since the fall of 2016. Well, I mean, we're, I mean, we've got yeah. Eloy. 2016 should be on the I, you know, should have been on the IL. We've got Andrew Vaughn walking around in a walking boot, <laughs> okay. and you can't put him on the IL because, oh, you know, he might be fine in a few days. What if he's not? You know, I mean, you've been hamstringing your managers with these shorted rosters because you don't want to put anybody on the IL. And it's like, like, I understand that you want to show faith in your, you know, in your players and whatever, and that they're going to, you know, hustle their way back. But if they're not ready, like, I mean, this is something, you know, I mean, we've, I, I, we've goofed around about it on, on Twitter, Nick, that, uh, you know, that, like novel response to put somebody on the IL like they do in the minor mm-hmm. leagues. And for whatever reason, the parent club, doesn't put anybody on the IL. Colson Montgomery can sit on the IL for two and a half months before he gets a rehab start in Arizona, and then they put him in Winston-Salem, and he's batting 600 in the first week, and they still keep him there, you know, because they want to make sure that he's, you know, ready to go and whatever. Yet, meanwhile— and during that two and a half months, there was nary an update about his health on top of it all. People were going, what is going on? We thought this was going to be a short, short stint. And he was damn near, you know, invisible. And, you know, we can't get anything like that in the White Sox where we get updates on Andrew Vaughn's foot every day and Yohan Moncada's back every day. Yet these guys can't miss any time on the roster at all. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if it really is this sense of urgency, especially this year, of we have to, this was a prove-it year for us. We absolutely had to make this work. You know, they they were nipping at, you know, the this AL Central a few weeks ago. They might have been four games back, uh, five. And even then, I think folks that were watching this team regularly and, and following some of the numbers, you know, the game within the game is like, mm, don't worry too much. Don't, don't focus on that four or five games back. Like they're just not a very good team and there's no depth. And, uh, but maybe it was that of, we got to keep these guys in. We've got to force these guys to continue to play. We have to show something for this season after what we had last year. It's over now. Well, that's that's I mean, it exactly absolutely the thing. Is is it, it's yeah. over now? So why are yeah. we still doing this? Yep. Right. 100%. You're going. Yep. You're going from push it, push it, push it, make it work, make it happen, and now it's blow the whole damn thing up. And for what? To you know, maybe shorten the career of some of these guys, or mm-hmm. definitely shorten their time on the on the south side. So I you mean, know, none of it really seems to make a lot of sense to me. I don't know for, you know, some of them, I know Tim Anderson, I think was kind of grinding through some stuff. I mean, is it to keep pushing these guys out so they can showcase, you know, so we can maybe uh, have a, an active trade deadline? I don't know. That's all just speculation. Well, let's move to that. Uh, we've got yeah, a week talk about that deadline. until mm-hmm. the trade deadline. <laughs> um, so my question to you um, I'm going to give you some uh, some guys here, and you tell me who you're trading and who you're keeping and what you think you're going to get back, roughly. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, I'm not talking about uh, prospect names here, but I mean, like, uh, you know, 
you know, like, are we talking like top 30 prospect of the team? Are we talking top 100 prospect? You know, just stuff like that. Are we talking about getting bullpen guys back? I don't know. Um, so speaking of uh, Tim Anderson, uh, post-All-Star break, 14-37 with a 378 batting average and an 871 OPS. You got a $14 million club option on him next year. Uh, the White Sox, if they do keep him, will most certainly pick up that option. But do you think he is going to uh, be one of those change of scenery guys that they're going to try and move and uh, give to a contender? If you're asking me, I, I think Tim Anderson goes. Uh, I think it is a change of scenery. I think just... You know, uh, me being such a conspiracy theorist of he's got a lot going on in his life. He's got a lot of personal stuff happening. And I don't know if he I think he probably was expecting a contract extension uh, with the things that he has said over the last maybe six months or year of how he's wanted to wear a White Sox uniform the rest of his career and all this stuff. And it hasn't happened, you know, which is would have been. I guess maybe early for the Sox to do that when, you know, him still having some time left, but if they really wanted to invest in him, why not? You know, I, I I thought maybe last year, definitely when you go back to the field of dreams uh, game, that era that Tim Anderson could be the first, you know, nine figure guy in white Sox history. I I do not feel that way anymore. Um, you know, I, there are a lot of teams that are linked to Tim Anderson. I think the L.A. Dodgers are a great fit for the Chicago White Sox for a lot of different reasons, not just Tim Anderson, but some of the other potential you know, guys that we might be able to talk about. Um, Tim Anderson alone, I don't think is going to command. I don't think you're going to be blown away. Maybe what you're going to get back right now with how he is playing. Uh, maybe it is a team that says, we think we can keep this guy long term. Uh, they're looking at maybe the the long play, and we definitely think the change of scenery, maybe even moving him to second base, uh, is the secret sauce. Uh, I, I, I he just his body language and everything else. Uh, and, and hey, I. I I really thought he was going to be the face of the franchise. I, I really thought that they were going to lock this guy up. And it just, I get a feeling like he's going to be someone that maybe he's going to even talk to the organization and said, Hey, if you got a chance, if there's something I'm, I'm willing to go, I'm not going to put up, you know, any issues or anything. So yeah, I, I could see him wearing a different uniform. What do you think, Danny? You pretty much there as well. Uh, yeah, I, you know, you and I spoke about this a little bit already. Uh, I am kind of in agreement with Nick here where, you know, some of the distractions off the field for Tim, you know, and, and we all know they're out there they're not any kind of secret. Uh, I don't want to speculate on how deep they go. Uh, you know, we don't really know, but the one thing I will say is that's the type of thing that could create that little bit of an issue inside the clubhouse you know it's it's just distractions you know whether or not you're one of these people that want to buy into them I, I don't really care they're a real thing you know we deal with distractions in our everyday lives at work at least i do i don't know about you guys but i would think just about all of us do and uh if somebody's got a little something going on and they bring that to work with them it's uh kind of detrimental to a lot of folks uh so yeah i you know, I hate to say it. I really have enjoyed watching Tim. 
on the south side when things are going well for him and he is that spark that uh that you know they say as tim goes the, the white Sox go uh when he's that guy amazingly good watch for us Sox fans but he also seems to take that energy in the complete opposite direction when tim goes bad so do the white Sox, and that you can almost feel that energy you know, through the TV screen or in person at the game when it's not going well, he's kind of dragging some folks down with them. And I don't know if that's true or not, but it sure seems that way. So yeah, I'm, you know, I hate to say it, but I would not be upset if he went somewhere else. I would have loved to see him stay here on the South side, but I just don't think it's uh, going to happen. Yeah. We had talked about this in the off season that we thought it might be a good thing to move him in the off season before the season mm. even started. And, mm. you know, we're, we're, we're talking about this now, you know, the trade deadline and he's finally started hitting again. And, you know, something just popped into my mind while you were sitting there talking about uh, everybody else having problems. You know, I will say this, that if I did one out of five things that my boss asked me to do for three months, I wouldn't have a job. Right. I mean, I'm just saying, you know, like you're betting 200 for, you know, yeah, kicking and throwing the ball over the field. Yeah. I mean, if you're, you're realistically doing 25% of your job for months on end, I mean, really, you know, you shouldn't expect to, you know, have that kind of, uh, support for that long and the fact that they stood behind him as long as as long as they did you know he can say that uh the white Sox didn't support him in his uh in his outside endeavors all he wants but i mean realistically when you're not you know putting up the numbers you know like who who do you have to complain to I was not I was not too happy with some of his comments uh, in the preseason to Chuck Garfine about you know and there and I don't want to take it completely out of context but you know the the vibe with fans he wasn't happy of the the negativity and there wasn't enough positivity and and he kind of you know blamed Chuck for some of that and and yeah it's Chuck's fault there, there was yeah there wasn't a lot to get excited about last year. Um, you know, they underperformed last year. Individuals underperformed. The team under underperformed. Like, why can't fans expect more, especially during this supposed contention window? Waiting, you know, for this to pop finally. Waiting to, to actually get a playoff series win. I, I'm sorry. Like, we have all the right to hold some of these players and the team accountable and, and, and be negative and be aggravated and want Jerry to sell and all the other banners and stuff that was going on. Right. I, I'm sorry. That just didn't sit well with me. That's no. Fair. And you know, I, I may not sign his paycheck, but it's my dollars that are going into that paycheck. My, you know, my money that's spent on white Sox gear and tickets and concessions and all these things that, uh, you know, I, I expect this, a better product. So, I pay your you know, salary. <laughs> I, yeah, I like I said, I don't sign your check. I don't exactly pay your salary, but uh, part of my money does. And uh, you know, with the expense of a game these days, I'd rather not hear about your off-field drama. I'd rather just see you go out there and play baseball the way you say you can, and the way we've oh, seen. Oh yeah, he, he thinks he's the best. He thinks he's one of the best to do it. Um, he definitely has the confidence. Uh, that's for sure. If you read some of his recent quotes, Merkin had an article right around the All Star break. I mean, he, he thinks he's just one swing away. 
and Grafol has kept him in that two spot, and uh, he's performed a little bit better since the break, but not what we want, not not at the level that we were expecting. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, if he played how he's playing right now, if he had been doing this all year long, I mean, obviously 378 batting average, but, uh, you know, I mean, had he been, you know, hitting like 280, 290, you know, even, oh, sure. yeah. even if he, even if it was all singles, you know, I would not yeah, be. Yeah, this conversation would be much different. Yeah, exactly. I, I wouldn't be super thrilled if it was all singles, but, you know, I mean, you certainly take that over what we got for the first couple months to get that kind of production at the top of a lineup consistently like that it would make a huge difference it would make a huge difference um moving along uh i figured i'd uh keep the uh guys who are position players i keep them up front uh so uh the other guy that i was thinking about um as a as a definite possibility of somebody that you could unload would be Yasmani Grandal and you've got uh, and he's an unrestricted free agent after this year so he's got nothing holding him here uh there's the option of getting Carlos Perez some at bats you know and uh trying to see what some of the young guys possibly have in this time period uh I assume that both of you would be willing to uh part with a Yasmani Grandal oh yeah um, I, I've been pleasantly surprised at times, and, and there was a maybe a, a lion's share of the season there that, especially before break, where I was like, wow, you know, he's got some power. You know, those legs are strong. Um, but, you know, it's the writing's on the wall. He, he's not going to be in a Sox uniform after this season. And, uh, you know, yeah, we need to start looking at what we have. And, and I hope that when we do acquire – uh, you know some talent from the from these trades that we are looking at catcher depth and but yeah I, I don't and I don't know what you're going to get from him you know at, at all I you, you probably might get a, a and I don't want to say a project but you know yeah no 100%. Some, some kind of depth piece yeah I mean uh, right. usually and, you know, he's, he's oh, a catcher so you're not you know uh, you saw what happened with Wilson Contreras last year with the Cubs and he was actually a, you know, like a, you know, he had a pretty decent bat last year. Uh, granted his defense is, you know, worse than Grandal by quite a bit, a but you know, they didn't mm-hmm. even, they didn't even move him. They just hung on to him despite what he was getting paid yeah. because they, you know, they didn't get what they wanted. So mm-hmm. uh, go ahead, Danny, what were you gonna say? Well, I was just going to say, you know, the thing about Yasmani is, is like, you know, like you guys are saying it, you're probably not going to get a lot, but at the same time, there is no, there's no way that he's going to be back next year. So why not take whatever you can get at this particular moment, just because we know there's nothing's happening this season. Maybe you get lucky. Maybe you do find that diamond in a rough. Maybe you get a guy who, you know, becomes a death piece, uh, you know, with that quad a player that can bounce back and forth for an injured team. You know, those guys can still be useful. You know what I mean? You're not going to get some superstar stud for Yasmani Grandal, but why not get something, anything, you know, it, it, we're, we're at that point right now. At least I feel we're at that point right now. This is a 19 games under 500 White Sox team. There's no reason to hold on to these guys who are going to be shipping out at the end of the season. There's zero reason in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, I think that he could certainly be one of those guys. That's like a, uh, 
you know, maybe you DH him. Um, mm-hmm. Because, you know, moving a, a catcher into a, you know, a rotation late in the season is probably not the, the best thing to do. So he'd probably be a backup catcher, uh, but a primary, like, kind of DH guy for some somebody that didn't have necessarily that. And I, you know, to be honest, I'd even, you know, I just kind of threw him on the list because I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, I mean, I was sitting there looking through the depth chart. I was like, who else are we going to get rid of, you know, that's a position player? I mean, at this point, I, I'd say that, like, him and T.A., in just what about a, Elvis Andrews, that's what I was. I was <laughs> just going to bring him up, and like to me, oh, okay, sir. he's like a DFA candidate at this point mm. because uh, realistically, uh, you know, yeah. y- you didn't pay him a ton, and right. you're not getting a ton. He's not really, you know, his legs are old. He's lost a step. Um, he's not hitting all that well, and you know this uh, veteran leadership thing. You know the. Uh, you know, mentors thing that they, uh, you know, that they tried to push in like 2016, 17, you know, of bringing in like these uh, quality, you know, veteran leadership nonsense. Uh, it, it clearly has not made one bit of difference. And, you know, they said last year, oh, well, he showed up and he was telling everybody what's what. And, uh, you know, nothing happened last year either. So yeah. and and that was when he was giving you offense. This year he's not giving you any offense, and now you've got Lenin Sosa who's just sitting there playing in AAA, hitting three hundred. You know he's got thirteen home runs and um, playing well, and he's stuck there. Yeah. You brought up you know Jose Rodriguez. He pinch ran once and then played an inning at second base. So you didn't do anything with him, and I understand you needed an infielder and he was on the 40-man, but what was the problem with giving him a start or two? Like, there's literally no reason to not at least give him a start and see what you get out of him. If he I think did... even uh, La Russa gave uh, Sosa a start last season when it was kind of a similar situation of, you know, you're going to have to earn it. You know, I'm just not putting you in there just there to, you know, for you to, he, at least, I think Sosa at least had one start before he quickly went back down. Yeah. Right. And, you know, if he does, if he comes up here and he plays and he gives you exactly what Elvis Andrews is giving you right now, what's the hurt in that? You know what I mean? Uh, it, it, you started a clock on a guy who's in double a for basically nothing for no reason. And you gave a, an achy, you know, veteran who's playing out of position, all the opportunities in the world to try to figure it out after, you know, months of showing that he's not only regressed to his career norms, but even below, why not give the young guy an opportunity to uh, see some, you know, again, we're, we're talking about the development. Development doesn't stop once you get to the MLB level. You continue to develop, and I don't see why you would do that to that guy. You took a hot bat out of AA, and you cooled it off. And he went back down to AA, and he stayed cool for, uh, you know, a few games a week before he started to hit the ball again. And that's what happens. You sit these guys down. They kind of lose their feel, and you know we've seen it over and over again. The White Sox just seem to be that team that has a pension for doing that to these young players. Uh, well, I mean, Elvis, uh, he got outperformed by Romy Gonzalez until he hurt his shoulder, and you know, I, you made it a priority to make sure that Elvis Andrus was getting reps 
despite the fact that Zach Remillard came up and outperformed Elvis Andrus. And then you bring up Jose Rodriguez, and you refuse to play him because you need to get Elvis Andrus reps. Of course you do, you know? Because his uh, his two fifteen mm. average and like three hundred, uh, you know, uh, three hundred slug is certainly worth uh, making sure that you get him at bats. I mean, pretty ridiculous. Yeah, that, that's where I don't. I, I'd like to really question like Pedro Grafol of whose decision was that? Was that above you? Was that the front office saying don't rush these young guys, keep playing Andrews, or was that Pedro Grafol just? I don't know any better. I'm going to, out of respect, I'm going to keep, keep giving this to Elvis Andrews. And like, that's his job to lose. And I'm going to keep going back to him. That's what's odd to me. Yeah. Very bizarre. Your guest is as good as mine, but it has, that's been something that we have kind of floated a little bit around here. Uh, so earlier today I was watching, um, that show with Chris Russo. I'm mad dog on MLB oh. network. And uh, it was mentioned by him and his co-host both that the Dodgers could use Lucas Giolito, and he was specifically pinpointed as the guy that the Dodgers need. So, you know, you talk about uh, a trade partner. This seems to be the one that everybody's got penciled in is that Giolito's going to the Dodgers. He's an L.A. guy, Harvard, Westlake, blah, 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 really wants to be in L.A. His family's in L.A. His whole family's worked in, uh, in Hollywood. This is where he's going to end up. Um, so he's a uh, unrestricted free agent after this season. So you are, you know, and we, we've known for years that he's going to the free agent market. There was never ever a question he was the player the the player the union rep for the team and you know he could not stay in good standing with the union and not go to free agency. So it was it was a foregone conclusion, you know, they picked the right guy. He's like, "I want to make my money. I'm going to go out there and make my money." You know, so that's that's definitely happening. In his last ten, he's three and two with a three five nine ERA. Uh, he's got sixty seven Ks to twenty three walks. Um, in July, minus that uh, that Mets clunker where he was clearly uh, being a tryhard, um, he's got a, a two ERA with eighteen Ks versus eight walks. So his his stats have gone up. His he's looked like a better pitcher. Um, I, the, I mean, I see absolutely zero chance he's with this team next week. I would assume. Yeah, I, I would, there. uh, I would absolutely agree with you, Ian. I mean, I, everything that I have read and, you know, on off days, like, uh, on Monday and, you know, moments when I can, I mean, I consume as much as I possibly can, uh, in terms of right now, it's just who's linked to who and what team. Everything is L.A. Everything, it's almost so obvious. I have heard maybe Tampa kind of comes in and plays spoiler. Uh, of course, there could be other teams that get I've nuts and Reds. crazy. Yeah, Reds for sure. Um, but L.A., yeah, it just almost makes too much sense. And with L.A.'s farm system and what they've got to, to – and I don't know if you're what you're going to get from just Lucas Giolito. That's where that whole package thing comes into play because L.A. could also use Tim Anderson. They might be able to use a reliever like Graveman uh, with some of the issues that they've got going on with arms. 
I mean, they've got some catchers in their system. They've got some pitching. Uh, they've got some infielders. Uh, what what are they willing to? They're going to be aggressive. We've heard they're going to be aggressive at the deadline. What are they willing to give up? And I and I think Geo is a guy that they can absolutely extend as well. This isn't just a rental. Yeah, I mean, if it was yeah. to the Dodgers, they could certainly work something out. Yeah, uh, you know, and I I can't disagree with any of that. But as a White Sox fan, uh, I was almost kind of hoping more for a trade partner in in the Reds, being that you know the Reds. Uh, playing as well as they are, have some pitching issues, starting pitching issues, and uh, they have a ton of young infielders that uh, could be of impact. And uh, it was even uh, as late as uh, just earlier today where they're talking about, you know, with the emergence of uh, CES and, and uh, Ellie De La Cruz and some of the other young guys that they have uh, coming up through their system are already up with the majors. They've got this plethora of just infielders, and they're willing to part ways with Jonathan Indy, India, excuse me, who, yeah, you know, he's he's had a little bit of a, a you know struggles, uh, the last year and a half or so after being the rookie of the year, but you know the White Sox could use you know any one of the number of young infielders that they could get, and I think if you package it right, you you might be able to get that, you know, that help in return, but. Again, it's going to be difficult to, uh, you know, appeal to Lucas Giolito and the White Sox the way the Dodgers could. You know, I think. Um, well, see, here's the here's the thing is with the with the Reds is that you have Jonathan India who has no spot because they have, you know, the mentioned guys that the, the guys that you were talking about. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, your guys at every single in, infield position are guys that you are, you know, they're homegrown guys and you develop them. And, you know, Jonathan India had a a rough year last year. He was playing well this year uh, until rumors started swirling about trades because, you know, they had Ellie De La Cruz coming and Encarnacion Strand, and they already had uh, the guy at – at uh, first, I uh, can't his name escapes me at the moment. And they had the uh, the guy at uh, the other guy at second base, and um, so he's he's left there. And you also have you know multiple guys. You know their top prospect Noel V. Marte. Same thing. You know, like they can't find places for all of these guys. And if they do, I mean, it's going to be they're going to have to start throwing them in the outfield. You know, and um, th- they have to get rid of some of them. And the the guy that stands out is the guy that they could get rid of is Jonathan India, because he's coming up to, you know, arbitration years and his salary is going to start going up. So they're going to have to get rid of him. And I don't know whether you have to, you know, say, give him Giolito and then say package a, you know, some relief pitching with him as well, you know, to, to up the amount of, you know, stuff that you're giving them. So you could get something of worth back. Um, but I don't know. That seems like a pretty decent, you know, like the, because the thing that you're going to get from the Dodgers is that you're going to get guys that you haven't seen in the major leagues yet, or that you've seen that have popped up really quick and then been sent back down and didn't do all that well. Now, would you rather that, 
Or would you rather pick up Jonathan India, who's, I mean, you know, rookie of the year, blah, blah, who cares about rookie of the year? It doesn't really mean a whole lot to me right. personally. Um, but the fact that he puts up some power numbers, puts up average, plays a good second base, he's got some speed, you know, and he's looked at as a, uh, a positive, uh, you know, if you check out his social media at all, like he's always out, you know, out and about hanging out with the fans and signing autographs and just being a cool, a cool guy and doing charity things, you know, for children's cancer and just doing all this great stuff. And Andy plays baseball. Well, well do you, you think, know, I mean, are the Reds just as likely to extend Geo than the Dodgers? I, I don't know about that. So that might play in the decision, right? Might, yeah. If we can, if we can extend this guy, we're willing to give up a little bit more, um, and that's where the packaging comes in. Yeah, that, that's an interesting sell, though, in India. Well, the other side of that coin is too is you know, I, and I don't know what the White Sox front office is thinking, but is there the possibility that the White Sox front office is saying? We don't really need Jonathan India because we've got guys like Lenin Sosa, and we've got Romy Gonzalez, and we've got Colson Montgomery, and we've got we've got our own young infielders in the system that we can go ahead and develop and bring up. I don't disagree with that, but my point is: is when was the He's last time that we complained about having too many good baseball players? <laughs> I can't think of a time, and especially at second base, we haven't had a second baseman yeah. since. You know, since Tadahito Aguchi for crying out loud. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, as sad as sad as that is, I mean, you know, let me, you know, of course, let me uh, say I'm sorry. You know, I'm disrespecting Nick Madrigal here, but I mean, like the, you know, <laughs> Mister Three Thousand. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I he he played okay, but he was always injured. Oh. To, to be fair, and he, you know, there there he were was certain hit parts double of his dinger, game. double digit dingers. He was going to hit double digit yes, dingers. Yes, he was. Yes, he, he was. moved off in his career. Right. In his career, he's the next Nelly Fox. <laughs> yeah. Um. So moving along, uh, Lance Lynn has a 2024 18 million dollar club option. Uh, in June and July, you are looking at a 5.66 ERA with a 5.32 FIP. And here's the, here's the weird one, uh, the 3.74 xFIP. So the expected fielder independent pitching is yeah, significantly four. less than his fielder independent pitching and his ERA. So has the defense really? I mean, clearly the defense has really, really let him down. And they should have been making more plays for him. Um, but uh, regardless, they didn't. Uh, versus right-handed hitting, he is pitching a stellar 203-643 OPS. Uh, versus left-handed hitting, a less-than-stellar 338 average and 1,055 OPS. Um, so the way it looks is you just literally cannot pitch him against left-handed hitting. Um, and I mean, that's, that's the full season. Like I, I, I guess I didn't look at the splits to see where he is in June and July versus left-handed hitting, but seeing as he's still got a five sixty six ERA, it can't have improved that much. 
Um, what are you going to get for a Lance Lynn? You, you'll get something. Um, you know, I, I think teams like I've heard the Braves are, are interested. Uh, the, the Texas Rangers. Uh, I think even the Reds might have might be interested as a guy that look. He doesn't have to shoulder uh, a rotation. You know, he's going to provide some veteran stability. He, he strikes guys out, but he gives up home runs. But you know, he has a game like Seattle, and and you could have teams saying. Whoa! You to to know that that could be a possibility. True. Maybe we just set him up for success, and we've got some defense. I mean, you know, he had a game a couple days ago where Elvis Andrus just did not him do, do him any favors in the first inning, uh, and that's when he gave up you know a bunch of home runs to the uh, to the Twins. I think it was the game one of the series. Um, you'll get something from him, but I I don't again like I, I don't think it's gonna wow us at this point but teams need pitching you know they absolutely the teams that are in contention will try to gobble up what they can but i think they'll be um they will hold on to their goods closely for for lance lynn you know but but it's still worth trying to move him did i mention his veteran leadership (laughs) um so uh after your two starters, because I, I mean, I had thought at one point that Clevenger would probably be gone at the trade deadline, but uh, he has not returned. Um, he's been doing yeah. bullpens uh, recently this last week, and I heard that he looked okay. Um, but, you know, who knows uh, when he'll actually return. It's certainly not going to be before the All-Star break, or even if it is, nobody's going to go, that's what I need. You know, I need a, a guy who is... Uh, accused of doing uh, not nice things and uh, goes five innings max, you know, allowing four, you know, like three or four runs and getting to 100 pitches. I I don't see that uh, being a thing. Um, I don't think, you know, they're going to get rid of Kopech. We'll talk about Cease in a moment. Um, Can I interrupt you for a second? You you, you had asked, when when did we think this thing went off the rails? It might have been when Clevenger was signed, and we signed him white hot like he was Mr. Danger. We needed to have this guy in our rotation, and it just after that, it was like, really? That was your first big signing, Mike Clevenger? And then everything else went downhill from there. I will tell you, most of White Sox Twitter probably believes that's the moment because, uh, you know, there was a lot of poo-pooing on that move, uh, you know, albeit most of it was because of the uh, alleged uh, you know, offensive. initially I would say it was the money. I was like, wow, you're going to give him that kind of money. And there's a lot of question marks. And then everything else started to come out. I mean, the way right. I looked at it is that, you know, the, the Yankees gave Kluber more than that coming off of, you know, uh, not pitching for a year. And, you know, he had come, uh, he was a year removed from Tommy John. So I was like, you know, for what you're going to get for a fifth starter that's going to give you decent amount of innings, you know, like I, I, I didn't, I didn't really balk at the money, um, and you know, like no, we is, balked at the fact is that that he was going to have to deal with a pitch clock. <laughs> and well, then he yeah, doing that, his little dance out there, little shuffle, um, <laughs> which I don't have. The, I wish I still had that. I, you know, I probably have it somewhere, um, but uh, you know, like Ethan Katz was, you know, Clevenger was Ethan Katz's guy. He's the guy mm-hmm. that wanted him signed. 
Keenan Middleton signed here because of Clevenger. So, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I, it could be the, you know, the reason that it went off the rails, but I, you know, I don't know if that's what, if that's really what sent this team off the rails and we got bigger issues. Um, oh, there's bigger issues. There really oh, there's are. bigger yeah. issues. Yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> bullpen guys, uh, Joe Kelly, you got a nine and a half million club option for next year. Uh, Graveman, you got an $8 million that you definitely owe him. Uh, Aaron bummer, five and a half million next year. Uh, and then you got club in 25 and 26 for 7.25 and seven and a half. And then you've got uh, Raylo and Keenan Middleton are both unrestricted free agents next year. Um, would you be, sh- I-, I wouldn't be shocked if every single one of those guys was gone. Yeah. I, I would say Graveman and Middleton probably are at the top of my list of like who I would see would be gone. Um, Kelly, I mean, Kelly was on a tear there, wasn't he? I mean, he he looked he looked pretty dangerous. He'll get back there um, too, you know. And so, if if a team is ready to take that risk, uh, I think Kelly could be up there too. So, I, you'll see relievers gone. Uh, yeah, it could, it could be all of them. Um, it would it be difficult to take on all of the bummer stuff, you know, and, and you know his contract and everything, perhaps, but. Uh, you know, he's looked in moments recently, he, he's looked pretty good and he's a lefty and he comes from a different angle. And I, I don't know, we, we've seen guys leave our ball club and then just completely turn things around, you know, when they get in a different system. So relievers in my mind, we, we don't need to have the most expensive bullpen, uh, in all of baseball. That's, you know, th- those are easy arms to sign, and that's why they're they're signed, right? Like, they emerge. <laughs> you know, right. it happens. You can get those guys. You don't have to have the most expensive bullpen. Um, so Middleton's been impressive. I've liked Santos, but I, I can see Middleton and Graveman gone. Yeah, and, you know, you, you bring up those guys that uh, leave the White Sox and, you know, become someone else. And I think Bummer is a pretty good candidate for that. Uh, you know, he's that guy that you know, all the numbers and all the peripherals suggest that he should be, you know, uh, a much he should have much better outcomes when he sees the field. But this guy gets dinked and doinked all over the field. He doesn't get a whole lot of help from the defense when when that's happening. And things just kind of go south for him really quickly. And we saw the good side of Bummer a few years ago, and he just hasn't been able to be that guy. But uh, I could see maybe, you know, another organization, a change of scenery for him where there's a minor tweak somewhere that the White Sox haven't figured out where he turns into some, you know, just amazing bullpen superstar, Uh, you know. uh, But again, you know, like Nick says, I think, any one of those guys could go and uh, could be gone. I think Raylo is a really big candidate to be dealt as well, too. Uh, you know, there's a lot of teams out there that could use a guy who could not only go out there and give you solid pitching, but can give you multiple innings. And that's that's really big when you're talking about a postseason run. Yeah, I'll agree with that. And, I mean, imagine if you put uh, Aaron Bummer in front of a team that actually has uh, infield defense. That would be amazing. Um, that would improve his uh, his results – you know, immediately, 
You know, he could go out there and throw exactly how he's been throwing with the White Sox, and I, he'd probably have a one-run better ERA just immediately right out of the gate. Um, so possible guys that I had uh, kind of tabbed here, and uh, we'll start with pitching first. Uh, I had Cease. I personally, you know, he's who you're going to get value for, clearly, you know, because you've got uh, he's in, you know, next year's his ARB two, and then you got his ARB three, and then he's an unrestricted free agent in 26. Uh, so you still have two years of control, you know, and you're going to be paying, certainly going to be paying a reasonable amount of money for what you're going to get results wise. But do you want to give, do you want to give that up? Well, you, I don't think they, 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 and absolutely they are not going to resign Dylan Cease. No. Um, you know, so that that's clear. I, I look at it almost like as in a Jose Quintana situation. If they didn't move him in, in the off season of 2016, they held on to him, and and that he then he got moved, of course, in 2017. And we're dealing with different talent levels, but there was obviously a desire for for Jose Quintana. Um, you know, again, if somebody gets crazy at this deadline and and offers you something that you just can't resist, but I see Dylan Cease staying in a White Sox uniform, and, and maybe something happens in the off season, perhaps. Danny, uh, you know, I'm I'm kind of on the fence about that. You know, again, as a fan, I would love to see him dealt at this time of year if he's going to be dealt. And we all know he's never like Nick says. You know, his uh, his agent is not one that uh, the White Sox like to deal with uh, on a regular basis. Uh, if he continues to pitch well, he's going to command a high dollar contract when it comes time for that. Um, I, I would like to see him be dealt with more time left on that contract and you get the bigger package. But uh, again, like Nick says, a team's going to have to get crazy to be able to kind of pry him away from the White Sox at this particular point. And it just depends on on who's willing to do that. Um I could very well see it happening in the offseason as well. Uh, I just hope that if the White Sox have zero intention on signing him, that uh, they would indeed, you know, part ways with him uh, for a return that they can uh, at least be, you know, somewhat proud of. Yep, I agree with that. Um, you know, I I don't personally want him gone, but I know he's not going to get signed. No, you know, so it's right. it's kind of mm-hmm. one of those things that. Uh, if you think that this team is going to win next year or the year after that, you're probably a delusional, but B you're going to keep them around. Um, so here's, uh, and this is another one of those things, uh, other, you know, one of the other four guys from that deal, uh, Eloy 24, $13 million. And then you get club options in 25 and 26 for 16 and a half and 18 and a half. And, you know, we've had our, you know, we've gotten our fair share of like some good results out of him, but you've also, you know, he's also been injured more often than not. So, you know, if somebody approaches you and says, Hey, we want that, uh, you know, we need somebody that's, uh, willing to, you know, play some outfield and DH some that's got a big bat. You, you know, he's Eloy available. You know, I don't know who's going to ask for him because the guy's always hurt. But uh, I mean, you never know. That's the kicker. 
Yeah. Yeah. And I honestly, I I don't know what the White Sox are going to do with Aloy Jimenez. You know, he wants one thing. He wants to be your right fielder. He does not want the DH uh, position. He's talked about that. It's been, that was a whole focus in the off season and even into the season. I mean, he has come out and publicly said it and, I just don't think his body can hold up to be for you to rely on him in the outfield, uh, in right field. And he, I don't even think he's that great of a defender. Um, and but that's the White Sox way. They don't really prioritize defense at all. They've been trying to prior to, uh, prioritize the bat. So you're going to put Eloy continually put him out right now for his bat. And I don't know if it's a showcase type of thing. Of we got to we got to show what teams could possibly be getting with this guy and his bat. Um, that's why we're not going to put him on the aisle. I have, I have no idea, but that one would be interesting because I, I don't know what, what direction the White Sox go with him. Is he, is he really going to be your just DH or is he going to be your right fielder? Um, so I, they might have a situation on their hands of you're going to give me this. Well, you're kind of getting, you're giving, you're, getting, you're helping us get rid of a problem, so to speak. I don't know. Yeah. I, it's, I, I don't know. I mean, the guy, like I said, guy's always injured. Like, I don't expect to get a ton for him. But the thing is, is that the upside's so huge. Yeah. If you do get, if you finally get that healthy season, you know, you could certainly get 45 RBIs, a 315 average, and 140 RBIs. You know, right. I mean, I mean, look at Luis Robert Jr. I mean, we're seeing that. I mean, he is healthy. He's playing Finally. consistently. Yeah. Um, he's playing confidently and it, he's just completely unlocked it. And that's really what I thought we were going to get kind of a lightning and thunder Aloy and uh, Luis Robert Jr. Uh, this season. They they were both going to be healthy and they were, they were just going to take off. So So you look at Robert and you're like, well, wait a second. Is next year going to be the year that Jimenez stays healthy? You know, it took Robert a couple of years. That's the that's a big if. Yeah, uh, you know, I don't disagree with that. But then, my only thought is, is you know, we talked about those those guys who might be that that cancer. And I'm not saying that Aloy is because obviously Aloy, when he's healthy and and doing well, he's you know he's a ham for the camera and he's joking around and slapping guys and doing all, you know, he was, he's the next closest thing to Yomer Sanchez on this team. You know what I mean? Where he brought that kind of fun energy. Uh, but at the same time, you know, you got to wonder that, you know, maybe behind closed doors, a guy who is, you know, at best being platooned in the outfield. And he is so publicly out there about wanting to play. Is there some sort of distraction in the clubhouse? And I don't really know. But, you know, it's a possibility. I've been on those teams again where, you know, not saying it's at the professional level, but you got that, that one guy. He's like, man, I should be out there playing every day. And he's talking. And he's he's, he's not being quiet about it. I've been on those teams. And yep. it creates a it creates a bit of a, a, a vibe, not the best. So I don't really know if that's what's going on, but I think it's a possibility. And like Nick says, you know, if the White Sox decide that's the direction they want to go in, Maybe we do see finally a, a healthy Aloy and Robert doing their thing because that's what we've hoped for. We were hoping for these two young guys who were supposed to be, you know, bangers, and we're going to go out and hit 300 and hit a bunch of home runs and drive in, 
you know, a hundred RBIs every year. We thought, you know, we saw the Jose Abreu era coming to an end at some point, and and these guys were going to be the new era being ushered in, and it just hasn't quite worked out that way. So I don't know where the White Sox heads are at on that either, but uh, yeah, definitely something to kind of keep an eye on here shortly. Um, but again, what do you get back in? You know, what do you get in return? Because yeah. He I hasn't know, seen the field. Enough. What they're going to be asking for is going to be more than somebody's going to be willing to give because they're going to be like, mm-hmm. well, yeah, I know that that possibility is there that he's going to hit 40 home runs, but I also know that there's the possibility that he's only going to play in 60 games, you know? So, um, so Nick, what are you doing about Jake Berger when this trade line you comes know, up? You I, I, uh, if you're talking about selling high on somebody, I mean, this is the guy to do it. Um, uh, I made a pitch on with with Pat actually for on our on our most recent good guys talk back. I might have talked about it on lockdown and just in a crazy way of how the White Sox do things. I'm convinced that if Mankata does get healthy and he is going to continue to play this year, they're not going to do a surgery. They're going to just put Mankata right back at third. You know, this is they, they've invested a lot of money in Yohan Mankata. I don't think he's being moved. I don't think anybody's taking on that money. Um, and I think he's going to go right back and be your third baseman. I don't think Jake Berger is a second baseman. He can play first. He can DH. But you, you clearly need that bat. Um, you have to look at yourself in the mirror as an organization and say, what what direction? Where, where do we see Jake Berger with his ball club moving forward in 2024 and beyond? And if it is not, I think, in a regular starting role, then you entertain offers. And then that is a package with some team that will say, hey, we need a third baseman. We need a guy that's going to slug like Jake Berger. We've got a spot for him consistently. The Sox have a problem absolutely have a problem here's a guy that didn't even break camp and look what he's doing I mean he's he needs some discipline at the plate like a lot of other players on this team you know but what he's been able to do in terms of power is unreal but he's getting consistent playing time and that's what he has always said you know he had a flare last year where he went on a run and he's like I'm playing regularly it's unlocked for me and, that, and that's what's happening right now. And it's good to see. I, I love Jake Berger. I love the story. I've just always felt bad because he is stuck. And then the, all the injuries and everything. I like seeing him. And, you know, honestly, I'd rather see Jake Berger out there, you know, every single game the rest of the year and what he can do. But if you've got a team asking about Jake Berger and you don't, and you're going to stick with Yoan Mankata, well, then please, please let Jake Berger go and get something for him right now where he, while he's hot. I don't think he's necessarily even really hot. I think it's just, you know, I think that's kind of like for him what, though. What like he's at like is, his, you know? he, yeah, he's like at his, is it going to get any better for Jake Berger right now? I mean, I value wise. I mean, I don't know. I mean, the guy's, he's going to be here through 2029. So, I mean, it's not like you don't have time. The my my main worry here is, you know, Yohan Moncada is not going anywhere with what the money that he's owed. You know, unlike everybody else, he doesn't have club options. He's got guaranteed money. So yeah, the thing with Yohan though is, you know, maybe maybe the back is unrepairable and they just part ways. But other than that, 
Entirely Nobody's possible. Taking that money. But the glove is, you know, Yoan's glove yeah. compared to to Berger, like there's not really a comparison there. I mean, Yoan's a much better fielder, and you know, at his at his peak, he is a better player than you know. He's worth more than Berger. You know, like Berger, I think right now is at like a 106 WRC plus, and he's been playing, you know, mostly all the time. Um, and and that's what you're getting out of him, you know? Um, yeah, I think that, you know, we, we've talked, me and Danny have talked about this before, where it's, uh, you know, like hitting's contagious. We've, you know, everybody's heard that, that hitting's contagious. And I think that, you know, Jake Berger is probably suffering from trying to, you know, not necessarily shoulder the load, but I mean, you know, like all these guys are probably shouldering the load together where, you know, there's just, you know, the only person hitting right now is Luis Robert, really, you know, like hitting with any consistency. Yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, you know, Benintendi's been pretty good and now TA's finally starting to come along. But when you got like four black holes in your lineup, you know. Yeah, you need more than yeah. two or three guys putting it's, it together. The yeah, there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of folks that are trying to put it on their shoulder. There's a lot of pressure, and and of course, the last what month has been nothing but. All right, who's going to be gone at the deadline? You know, is this your last few weeks, few few months, last month in a White Sox uniform? And that's got a weigh on you. You know, that, I, I can't imagine ask. that. Like, do you think that puts more pressure on these guys to perform in the hopes that they can maybe find themselves on a contender and actually be part of a winning culture? Do you, do you think that, 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 that's that creates a, that pressure for them? You could create, yeah, you could create the scenario for both ways, right? I mean, I, I think you're trying to perform either way, at least I hope you would, for your current ball club to try to get out of this thing that you're in and compete in a in a winnable division. I mean, that's kind of not the case right now, but it was about a month ago. And you're also trying to raise your stock. Like maybe I, you know, maybe if I'm playing well, I might be able to get another shot on a contender somewhere. And I can kind of, you know, give my give my career a bit of a boost, a, a 2.0. Yeah, that's a man talk about like different paths and how you'd have to compartmentalize all that stuff. And that's difficult. And and all of this is, you know, here we are, we're sitting here a bunch of, you know, 40 somethings talking about this. Well, I don't know, Nick, Nick, Nick's look like he's everybody like 28, 29. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm 42. Oh, look at you. Okay. Yeah. So, you know, and we're talking about kids who are 24, 25, 26 years old uh, to kind of have these life decisions put out in front of them i would i would assume that uh there is some pressure there you know whether it's like nick says whether you're trying to perform for your current team or trying to perform to better your career whether it's with your current team or somewhere else so yeah difficult difficult all the way around with this white Sox team i mean i think we could all agree there is no way we thought we'd be having this conversation here uh, on july 24th 2023 no way no, we were optimistic, Ian and I. Uh, you know, we do our little, you know, predictions show every year at, at the start of the season. And neither one of us really predicted them to go out and win like 90 games or anything crazy like that. But uh, 
we did both predict them to be at least a little bit over 500. We didn't expect to be sitting here 19 under right now. Well, you know, speaking of uh, putting the weight of the world on Atlas's shoulders and putting pressure on somebody. Um, oh, boy. <laughs> we see you, Nick. Um, uh, and I have a question for you. Yeah. I need I, I actually it's it's kind of a it's kind of a demand. I need you to make me feel better about the White Sox. What are, what are you going to do to make me feel better about the rest of this year for the White Sox? Well, I know I felt better, you know, in December of 2016 when they finally made a choice. They finally picked a direction. They finally picked a path, and then they went towards that path. I remember being at Sox Fest in January 2017, and it, there was there was a buzz. There was electricity because of what we got back for you know, uh, Chris Sale and, and, and what, and Adam Eaton and, and what looked like the path we were headed in, you know, like we finally got something and, you know, we've got a plan. It looked like, and, and, and Rick Hahn is standing ovation and Ricky Renteria was, you know, just breathing fire of, of what this team is going to be like, which, you know, I, I, I miss Ricky Renteria, but anyway, I think once a, once a decision is made and there's going to probably be a lot of decisions made, you know, coming up to this trade deadline. I think then it's like, okay, the band-aid's off. Like we we ripped it off and like we now are going this way. The the reality of it is it didn't work. You know, it didn't didn't pan out the way we thought it was going to pan out. So this is what we have. And this is what we're going to try to do once again. And I'm going to look at guys that are going to be on this team in 2024, at least we think are going to be on this team like I had mentioned, Michael Kopech and, you know, I, I think, I think Dylan Cease will be on this team in 2024 and, you know, Andrew Benatendi, Andrew Vaughn, Luis Robert Jr. I think they will all be with us. I do think they'll hold on to Aloy Jimenez and, you know, you just have to say, I think this division can be winnable. I, or at least be, you know, you can compete in it next year. I don't know anything beyond that. It, it depends on what they decide to do in the off season. Uh, you know, it, I, I would love to see a, a GM change. I would love for Han to finally just be gone, but I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think we're with Pedro Grafol next year. Uh, my, how I, how I would sell it is, you know, we've made a choice. We've picked where we are headed and you know we're stop we're gonna we're not lying to ourselves anymore we're not gonna lie to you it stings it hurts we didn't want to admit it but here we are it didn't work out and we're moving forward uh, i guess like some clarity of the truth of what's happening with this team and organization uh and, and not the you know the the whole the, the word salad that han will give us maybe on tuesday because it's a homestand um Let's just be honest here about what's going on, and, and you'll see it, I think, with the moves. Yeah, I'd say that that's, uh, you know, I mean, you didn't fix it for me, but uh, I yeah. think that that's, uh, <laughs> that's certainly uh, some some valid points there and certainly things that, you know, can at least give some bit of comfort to people that, that have to watch this nonsense because it's been, it's been a brutal watch. You know, 
It's been a brutal watch because for me, I had these, these high, high expectations. And I think everybody did. And, and I held on to these expectations in a delusional way longer than I probably should have because of what was on paper and because it had to be better than last year. And I wanted to believe in everything that Pedro Grafol said and, and all the off-season stuff and we're going to do this and we're going to do that and this is how we're preparing for that. And, and, and it just wasn't working. And he said, well, it takes time. Well, it's now July. How much time do you need? It's clearly something that can't work. And, and that's why it's been so absolutely painful uh, because you're also now see, seeing something die. You know, it, that you had these grand hopes for of this, this core, this nucleus, this team that was uh, built and beginning in December of 2016, it, it never even, never even really had a chance. Um, and you're wrestling with that while watching this team fail in 2023. Part of me is also now seeing we're going backwards now and we're kind of going to have to start a little bit from the ground floor. So two parts of you are, are dying. <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I will say, you know, like if, if the, the chemistry, not the, really making us feel better. I well, you know, I mean, I'm just trying this, to give you the, yeah, the second part, you, know, you could maybe could have held off on that part. Um, right. But right, right. the, uh, I, I will say, you know, like I don't, um, you know how, when teams sell off players and then they go on a run anyway, even though that they are quote unquote gutted, you know, from their best players. I don't necessarily doubt that the white Sox couldn't do that and completely tank their draft position. Um, Mm. Uh, well that would be the white soxiest of white Sox things it really would but i mean i you know i could see you know next year you know with some you know and that's one of the things you know like when you see remillard you know like you see not necessarily you know like there's you know bunting with one out in extra innings probably not like the the best idea but uh, you know like you see a guy that does the little things generally and really wants to play baseball and wants to be on the White Sox and wants to be successful. And I think that if you have a couple of guys, you know, new blood, guys that didn't have that pre-anointed, uh, you know, prophecy about them winning world multiple World Series and talk to me after the parade and all this stuff that, you know, maybe you get some guys that are actually hungry up there and not just, you know, you know, guys saying that they want to win the World Series, but guys that genuinely are clawing and fighting to be in Major League Baseball, you know, and are working their way up through the system and, and you know, have something genuine to prove, you know, that maybe that does turn things around for this team. And maybe that's a little bit more on uh, Pedro Grafal's level, you know. Yeah, I, that's a that's a good way of putting it. Um, you know, he was tasked with this this team that th they were around for a while. Like he did not have a lot of say in this in this roster, and they were set in their ways, and they were not ready to maybe buy into what he was trying to do. Maybe yeah, to your point, some some younger guys, some Zach Remillard type of guys that are eager, that are they don't have a lot of years in the game like who who am i to not listen to this manager who's been in baseball for so many years 
and and they buy into it and he can get enough of those guys to collectively buy into it and play a certain way that he wants to play that others just weren't ready to change their style for him i could i could see that um trending in the right direction yeah in the case that you know like we spoke about a little bit ago that uh tim anderson is dealt jake berger you're selling high on him uh you know you're gonna you know now you've got you have to play Zach Remillard. You've got to bring in guys like Lenin Sosa and Romy Gonzalez, depending on, you know, what it is you get in return, obviously, for, you know, for some of these deals. But, you know, these are the names that we know we have in the system right now. Uh, my only concern is if, you know, Nick says that we should hang our hopes on, you know, we're finally peeling that Band-Aid off and, and going in a direction, per se. Uh my only concern with that is, is we, I absolutely need to see an Elvis Andrews DFA at that point. Cause I really yes. would love to see a full infield of these young guys that maybe will buy in to the Pedro Grafal, uh White Sox. Yeah, for sure. That's he what I'm hoping go. for Danny. Yeah. Th- that's, that's absolutely what I'm hoping for is like, you know, we're, we're cutting the fat, we're running lean and, and it might not be pretty right now, but we're getting a lot of looks at guys and and we're just being brutally honest, you know, stop lying, stop the charade of, you know, we think we're a championship level team. Stop all of that. Just call it what it is right now and let us see it warts and all. And, you know, let it, let it develop. Um, It's not absolutely not what we wanted at all. Not even close, but you know, you just kind of have to make that uh, the sooner you make that decision, I think, then you can start the process of moving forward. Yeah. Well said. All right, Nick. Well, I'd like to, uh, after that, uh, you know, absolutely, you know, you, you made us feel good and then you made, made us feel terrible. And, uh, now, um, I'm going to say uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> thanks for coming on tonight. Uh, Set me up. To always me awesome down. to have you on. I appreciate, uh. you know, I appreciate everything you do. Um, let us know, uh, let everybody know where, where they can find you. Yeah. Thank you guys so much. It is an absolute treat really to, to, to talk with you guys. And you've been so great, you know, coming on, you know, good guys talk back and locked on and, and thank you for everything that do you guys do for the White Sox fan base. And, uh, it's just been a real, uh, real joy just getting to know both of you over the last several years. Uh, I know I can always check in and rely on you guys and, uh, just uh, I think again in these tough times, it's fun to just have people that try to produce regular White Sox content. You can you know you rub shoulders with people that are going through the same kind of stuff. So thank you guys so much. This was a real treat. Um, I'm on Twitter or on X, whatever we're calling it these days. Uh, at Nick underscore GGTB. I have not moved on to Blue Sky. I don't know if I'm even going to be doing that. I, threads. Uh, yeah, th- threads. Yeah, sure. I don't know. <laughs> right now, I'm still on this Twitter X thing. Uh, but for podcast content, Good Guys Talk Back, it's a weekly podcast uh, with my good friend Pat Hester. Uh, we've got a YouTube channel. You find the audio absolutely everywhere. We're in our fifth season of doing that. Uh, and then Locked On Socks is, is a daily Chicago White Sox podcast. Uh, again, YouTube channel. You can subscribe, and the, the audio is available uh, absolutely everywhere. Awesome. Well... 
go and call it for the uh, call it for the evening. Uh, thanks to everybody that's uh, listening uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter. Uh, you can find White Sox Daily on uh, Facebook. You can find us on YouTube, where we are streaming right now. Uh, we are also twitch.tv slash White Sox Daily. Um, WhiteSoxDaily.substack.com. You can find some written stuff, mostly by Dan Victor as of late. Um, I am Ian Eskridge, at I Eskridge on, uh, on Twitter. Danny Miller, at Danny Miller WSD on Twitter. Uh, for myself and my co-host, we thank you for hanging out and listening. And uh, thanks for your time. And uh, we will see you guys next week. Have a great night. Thanks. Bye.